Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay, one of the enabling foundations of sustainable employee engagement and future success is fostering a true spirit of involvement and collaboration in your people and teams. There's there's an old stat that suggests 67% of your people give you their time, but not their best effort or ideas. Now, these guys aren't your worst performers either, but they are, in effect, indifferent to your business. They are, if you like, the silent majority. The really sad thing here is that many of these employees probably come to work wanting to make a difference and feel like they are contributing to the overall success, but no one's ever asked them or given the opportunity to use their strengths, ideas, or even their fresh perspective to help the business grow, which, as we know, can have a really positive effect on everyone. Involvement was tough enough for lots of businesses even before the pandemic hit us. And greater numbers of hybrid and remote workers now haven't made it any easier. But it is not impossible. And there are examples of companies smashing it all the time who are building thriving groups of engaged, productive and collaborative teams, regardless of where they work and the proximity they have to each other. So what's their secret? How are they doing it? And how can you follow their lead? Well, with me today is Tim Kikir. Tim is a growth consultant and bachelor and master's university lecturer who helps companies, entrepreneurs, and students achieve fast and consistent growth. In his work to date, he's helped startups go from scratch to building significant monthly repeatable revenues between eighty dollars to $300,000. He's even built his own successful company, having never met his business partner or many of the team face-to-face. So he's got the remote thing covered for sure. Now, whilst there are many facets to what drives growth, Tim is passionate about founders can include all of their team members in growth-focused discussions, tapping into the collective intelligence of your workforce to help you fully execute on the company's vision. So today, he's a perfect partner for our discussion. Welcome to the show, Tim. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Hey, great to have you here today, my friend. A little bit smug sitting here in sunny Northampton and yet in Barcelona a bit gray today I mean that's very strange <laughs> it should be the opposite no, really. <laughs> it really should be it really <laughs> should be <laughs> well with that beautiful backdrop to us today Tim you do me a quick favor I've introduced you a little bit there but can you give us a better flavor about what you're up to what your company does uh, all that kind of stuff yeah, of course, Andy. Well, uh, I've just started a new company in uh, December 14th. And as you said, yeah, I hadn't had met my uh, co-founder 
Uh, he actually just uh, came to Barcelona about a month ago, so I did meet him finally. Hey! Um, after six <laughs> months into our company. And uh, before that, we kind of flirted for a year uh, starting the business. Uh, so that, that, that was an awesome experience. But what we do at Juno Talent, it's that we do growth from a talent perspective. So uh, my business partner, he's a recruiter. His experience comes from uh, recruitment, uh, recruiting tough uh, tech roles and obviously my background as you said comes from growth consultancy so by mixing the two uh, experience we've been able to provide uh, growth uh, within the company so by finding the right talent and creating the right processes creating the right uh, tools and systems uh, to get the best talent to keep the best talent and to offer them a great culture so we mm -hmm. do help with employer employer branding we do help with um, even workshops and training and so on so we're not just a recruitment agency we're a little bit different than that um, that's been a really fun experience uh, creating this company uh, we've seen obviously this problem in 2020 and 2021 uh, the biggest problem that founders had is to uh, attract and retain talent mm -hmm. uh, and now we see it even, <laughs> even worse as you've seen there's mass layoffs there is so on because people has has they've taught that growth is by just getting numbers of employees up and that is not growth so we're, we're trying to make it a sustainable growth by making sure that you're also hiring the right people at the right time so that will help you with your organizational structure as well so that's kind of what i'm um very busy at the moment but um, as I think you've seen a few of my posts on LinkedIn, I'm really busy now on um, content creation. Uh, this year has been my number one uh, focus is uh, for my personal brand to create content that is valuable uh, for my followers. Um, and I have a few newsletters um, and obviously I'm on podcasts at the moment like yourselves. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm really, really focused on content. I've realized that I would like to share everything that I know uh, with anyone that would follow me on LinkedIn or in my newsletter. Um, that's my main focus. Uh, and obviously growing Juno Talent is also um, taking about uh, most of my day. And I mean, you look at, I guess, clients globally, right? Yeah, from, from from your position. And this battle for talent that we've been seeing for, for quite a while and quite a change in the landscape here in the UK, for sure. Are you seeing yep. that the same globally? Are we all facing the same sort of issues? Uh, yes, it started in the US, obviously, and then we're starting to follow follow up with the US. So the UK is in the same boat, and I think that is starting in Europe. Uh, funny enough, in Spain, in south of uh, in, in in south of Europe, in Spain at the moment, we still have this this massive growth of um, of recruitment in startups i don't know how far that's gonna go i do believe that by the end of the year that's also gonna ha start having some problems because we do have an economic downturn sadly coming mm. uh, inflation has been very very high in the uk and in the rest of the world and um, this is gonna affect obviously recruitment uh we're not too scared but um absolutely you're correct it's happening all around the world mm. and so let's start at the beginning yep. tim where did all this start for you where did the idea for the business come from? Was it was it seeing all this chaos going on in the marketplace? You thought, yes, I can help there. I can do a bit of a uh, bit of work there. Or was there some other sort of reason it all came together? Where, where did it all come from? It's a combination of a couple of things, Andy. So uh, the first one is uh, my business partner, Michael, my co-founder. Um, he was a recruiter for a few companies, and he was leaving. Uh, he was leaving the company that he was working at the moment, and he had a couple of offers of consultancy or external work, like a freelancing recruiter. Mm. And I was doing 
something a bit different, which is, was on growth for startups. And I had this demand. And as I was doing this growth, I had most of the CEOs because I used to work very close to CEOs. And they, they would ask me about recruitment. They would say, hey, Tim, we need these people, that people we can't find right people. Uh, there's a talent war. And I keep hearing about this talent war for the last year. Mm. And um, we had the chance to to look around a bit. And yes, in the metrics, I've, I've had the chance to ask about, I think, 50 founders or something like that, 30 to 50 founders. And they've all stated their number one problem was attracting and retaining the best talent mm. and then i started thinking about it i was like hmm okay and i met i met this person michael on linkedin it's been a year we're chatting about business uh ecosystems and what's happening around the market and so on and um and we we spoke about it we're like so what is growth and we saw that a lot of people saw growth as employee numbers as mentioned right and um in some podcasts, I've been saying that's not the metric that you should be looking at. You should be looking at turnover per employee or, right, you should be looking at revenue per employee, right? That, that is a better metric to understand return on investment. Uh, if you, if I get 10 team members, how much more MRR, monthly recurring revenue do I do, right? If you do start looking at it, then you can scale a little bit more sustainable, a bit more growth, uh, sustainable growth. So when I was looking at this, um, I turned around to Michael and Michael had this opportunity. He said, Hey, look, they just want recruitment, but why don't we uh, pitch them a little bit of your growth, your systems, your tools, your processes with my recruitment on top of it? Mm. And that was just a, just a pitch. We wanted to test it. And we pitched. It went really well. And very quickly, it was a bit of a reactive company creation, to be honest. And very quickly, we had to create uh, the entity. And we were able to uh, productize and prepare all our services. And all our services started to make sense to this client. Uh, we still have that client that we started with. And on top, we got a bunch of more clients. And we realized, okay, that there is demand. There is demand, but the demand is not in the old school system of agencies. Mm. Agencies charge you a percentage on success fee, right? Uh, and we realized one of our clients got charged in 2021 about a million pounds to recruit about 25 people. Wow. We're able to do that for a quarter price. But not just a quarter price on recruitment, but a quarter price on also preparing your systems, uh, making sure that you have that right culture so that in six months, nine months, a year, they don't leave. You're creating the work, the best workspace for them. And on top of it, we realized, Andy, that we could also offer an extra service that most agencies don't, which is we can hire talent for you wherever you want. We got a partner that would do all the compliance, all the documentation, all the paperwork. So if you tell me, hey, I want 15 um, data engineers in the UK and you have this budget but there are no more data engineers at that budget there or they're not the right data engineers that you're looking for I can tell my clients now I can be like why are we doing this in the UK hmm. uh, well we, we have an office here and that's why we're doing well no 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 we're, we're in a talent war we will open you an office if you want in Poland. We will open you an office somewhere else in the world. Or we will hire them wherever they are in the world. And we will create this remote company for you. And our clients were getting a bit scared. They're like, well, we've not done that. We don't want to go remote. Well, we're like, well, you're going to lose in the talent war if you don't go remote. Everybody wants remote work now. Especially data engineers or or technical people. They can just sit in their, in, in their bedroom or mm -hmm. in their office room and just work for any company wherever they are. U.S. companies are grabbing people from all around the world. And when we start showing this to our clients, they're like, okay, but what about 
paperwork what about compliance what about all that we're like well we can handle that mm. and we've been able to handle that we, we are able to hire any talent from wherever they are in 72 hours and our difference is that we can find the talent and hire the talent for you and finish all the uh, legalities for it and also as i'm a growth consultant uh, i can help you understand which type of tools you're going to use how you're going to communicate with them and what are the trainings how's the onboarding looking like and we get you involved in in basically we're a management consulting firm but really looking from a hr and growth perspective well, there's a lot of good things to unpack in there, Tim, because I think this whole battle for talent is interesting. I mean, I've got a couple of things for me. Just I'll ask a couple of questions and you, you you come back and tell me what you think. Firstly, the way you're trying to deal with recruitment and growth from a, I guess, a proper people placement perspective and then the support mechanisms to make things sustainable, right? Which you talked about culture, which is great. So first question. What are the biggest common failures you see with clients when they're trying to recruit people? And secondly, a perspective, because I, I, I suspect remote hybrid landscape change is changing the way we get hold of people or people can work for sure. But there's still, I think, a bit of a perception, certainly in the UK, that recruitment is broken. It feels like you dump your information into a big vat. And if you're lucky, someone picks your name out of the lottery and you just get fired off to people. There's no communication about salary or all this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's pretty horrible. It's a pretty horrible experience. And I'm interested to understand with this changing landscape and your different approach, what are you trying to deliver? And, and actually, is my bl blinkered view that recruitment is broken true or is there, is there something different going on there? Uh, well, uh, I think first of all, let's touch upon if it's broken or not. Yeah, it's yeah, absol it's absolutely broken. Uh, right, why, okay. is <laughs> why is it broken, Andy? Let's let's think about it like this. Let's say that Andy is a founder and he has a startup, and Tim is a founder and has a startup, mm -hmm. and we're bo both looking for a data engineer, right? Uh, and we're working with an agency. And let, let's call agency XYZ, right? And it's the same agency we're working with. We don't know that we're working with the same agency. And we're working with this agency. What does this agency do? This agency goes and finds a data engineer and goes to Andy and says, Hey, Andy, I found you a data engineer. This data engineer, sadly, is a little bit higher than the budget you've told me. And you're like, oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, I gave you a budget of 120K a year. And the agent says, yeah, sadly, this, this person is going to be uh, asking for 140K. And you're like, oh, that's not in my budget. And then the agency says, yeah, but Andy, we're not going to find out the data engineer. This is a great data engineer. You need this person. And Andy goes back and is like, okay, I'll get back to you uh, tonight or tomorrow. I'm going to see if I can create that budget, right? Mm. And you go, you're like, okay, you know what? I'll do 140. And then, <laughs> and then the recruiter goes, oh, yeah, another company offered 160. <laughs> Tim, Tim offered 160. And then they come to me and they say, Tim, Andy offered 170. And you're like, oh, okay, I need to do 180. So we started at 120, the budget, right? Mm -hmm. We're up to 180. Why? Because the recruiter takes a percentage. Yeah. The recruiter takes 20%, 15, 20, 25% sometimes. The recruiter does not care about your company. Mm. The recruiter cares about their percentage because mm -hmm. <laughs> they're going to make more percentage. So um, the recruiter that makes their more percentage, the person, um, the employee, the data engineer, goes into the wrong company, possibly culturally, that are not going to fit his culture. Because they didn't care. They just wanted um, a percentage. Yeah. And six, seven, eight months later, six months later, the, the, the recruiter gets their, gets their fee, 
right? And eight months later, the data engineer says, yeah, sorry, I was expecting much more remote work or a hybrid and this, and they told me to come and that would change and so on. And that's it. You have to change jobs again, right? So we've lost money on that percentage. We tried to onboard that person. We trained that person and that person is going in a year maximum, right? It's not fitting culturally. So what happened here? It's a very, very old system. It's a broken system on going on a success fee, on a percentage fee, mm-hmm. right? It's a little bit looking like the old school sales models where we just care about commissions. We don't care about what we're selling to whom, mm. right? And that's what's happening with the recruitment firm, with the recruitment agencies. So the agency model is a little, bro- a little bit broken. And yeah. I think this is what we need to change. I'm not saying that recruitment in general is broken. I think that, I think that the, the, the fee system is really, really broken. So what we do, we do a retainer. So we 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 won't really care about how much you know um, the team member wants. We will care about what's in the market, what's the culture. Is it going to fit? Is this person going to be happy for two years, three years? Is he going to? Is this person going to grow in your company? Are you going to be happy with that growth? Is it going to grow in the right direction? Have you prepared? the three-year plan, at least for this person, if they're a data engineer, are they going to become senior data engineer? Will they be able to manage a team later in your company or will they want to change again in a year? So we think a little bit more holistic. We think a little bit more futuristic for your company as well. We want to make sure that you're hiring the right person at the right time for the right reasons. Yeah. Right. And so, so that's starting to work really well with our clients. You know, when especially when they see they they spend a million pound on an agency, uh, and then they spend the quarter price with us, but we care about their employer brand, we care about their culture, we care that it fits, we care that they're gonna stay with us with you, right? And when we do that, we see the, the that the system is actually broken. So we have communicated this with a few other partners that we're working with, and we're seeing slowly. A, quite a change. Uh, a few agencies are starting to offer this type of services. And um, the percentage model might stay for a certain type of industries. But I don't think it's going to stay for the tech industry because the tech industry, you really have to be a cultural fit. It's just not about the compensation and the salary. It's about having that growth, having the passion uh, for the mission of the company as well. And that's what we recruit for find the people that are passionate about the mission of our clients and it works so much better (laughs) well and i know you're very passionate about involvement which is one of the the key things we want to talk about today so i think i think that's very interesting to sort of look at you're trying to take i guess a more long-term view of a relationship with the client understand the business make sure you get the right fit and the same will then happen for the guys that you place in those businesses right so let's let's change it up then let's get into this topic of of involvement and I, and i guess this is fundamental now and landscape again has changed and made involvement a little trickier for many businesses who i guess have played the traditional office model and now everything's a bit more distributed so from your perspective tim and i don't know if this is stuff you cover in the university stuff you do or whether it's through the growth consultancy or a bit of everything but for you how can founders or, or leaders really start to bring everybody into these growth-focused discussions and conversations? How does that work in today's fragmented world? 
It's actually very, very simple, and、uh, we try to overcomplicate it. It's be be super transparent, <laughs> right? It starts、yeah. with that. It starts with communicate your goals, communicate what the company is, is trying to do, communicate why you, this person should be involved in this project, communicate why you want them、uh, with you in in this campaign, communicate everything you can. Over communication doesn't exist. Under communication definitely exists, or miscommunication, but over communication doesn't exist. This 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 came from、um, a personal passion of mine because I've I've had roles, Andy,、uh, before my consultancy of COO, CGO. I've been put into very interesting roles, and they're not been the right roles. Sometimes they've been the right roles for me. Most of the time, no.、Mm. Um, and and I've realized that you know I've been hired because of my creativity, because of my problem solving, because of my thinking outside the box, and then. We get put in a box, and then you join the company, and they're like, "Here's your job, here's your job description, here are the things you're gonna do, here's the people you're responsible of. Good luck." <laughs> and, you know, a year and a half later, you've done your job well,、mm. but you haven't done amazing because you're not, you are not able to get out of cer- certain borders, right?、Um, and and you, you're stuck in this box. So that became a passion of mine. So what I've realized as a consultant as well, what I've tried is systems, processes, even documentation and workspaces、mm. um, that involve everybody, right? So I will I will request from my clients everybody's attention of their team members on documentation, right? What do you do day to day? Can you document that, please? Yeah, so that we can help you, we can optimize that. Maybe what are you doing that you love? What are you doing that you don't love? Then suddenly we realize about ten things out of fifty things of they don't love. We can automate it, and bam, we automate it. And then suddenly there's ten ten less things they don't like, and their job gets a bit more involved. They're like, oh, okay, I have a bit more time, and I had these ideas. How can I put this idea into play? And then I realize, okay, why don't we do enough ideation sessions? If we do ideation sessions, does it have to be just on a whiteboard physically? No, it doesn't. We have amazing technologies like Miro, which is a, a online digital whiteboard tool. We have Mural. We have many, many、uh, collaboration tools that can work in remote, in hybrid, in many, many different ways. So why don't we do that? Okay, we started to do workshops digitally on Zoom、uh, with an online digital whiteboard. Actually, Zoom has a new feature as well called whiteboards. I haven't tested it yet, but、um, I'm sure that、uh, it's going to help. It's good. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's again, it's going to help on that on that kind of things. And then what I realized after ideation sessions and ideas are put into a place, right, like a whiteboard, as we said, or digital or physical. Six months later, where is that idea? Mm. What happened to the idea? Oh well, we stored it somewhere on a document on the drive. Ah,、oh, okay. And then nothing, nothing happens to these ideas. So the person Tim, who became a CGO, Chief Growth Officer, had a great idea. Communicated with the CEO. People loved it in the meeting, the ideation. We've stored it. We've forgotten about it. Right. So I started to to. To to look at this problem as well and be like, okay, how can we make sure ideas don't disappear? Good ideas gets prioritized. How can we rank? How can we score prioritization? Right? There are many many prioritization models. Rice, ice,、uh, ice is a scoring model. Is impact, confidence, and ease. And I was like, okay, let's start scoring these. And then the CEO was like, okay, I'll score them. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not the only one scoring these. Everybody's gonna score these. 
even people that were not involved in the meeting. And everybody's like, wow, how does that happen? Well, if we have a one-pager about every idea, if we have a clear kind of project kind of one-pager about every idea, possible blockers, success indicators, uh, risks, what we have in mind, what we're trying to achieve, why, why is it attached to our mission, and so on. And if we can create that a mini, mini pager, a mini one page, a mini doc, and you can communicate to the, to the whole team, to everybody. And you can ask them, Hey, can you score this on ice? The impact that you think this idea is going to have, the confidence that you have on that impact and the ease of uh, implemented idea. Suddenly your 50 members, 70 members scores this idea, right? And then we have an average. And then we do this across 100 ideas or 50 ideas. Suddenly, we find your top three ideas that are the most relevant to your mission as a company, and they're going to have the most impact. So, so then we iterate. Then we, we, we put these ideas into play, and then team members see it, and then the CEO sees it, that it came from a junior marketing assistant. And they're like, oh, that was that new marketing assistant's idea? Yep. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I need more of these ideas. Suddenly, suddenly we can involve everybody and then and then you start thinking about the systems and the meetings and the workshops or how we get everybody to contribute and what sort of systems are involved with i i guess raising public awareness and interest in all of these one pages because you know look maybe it's just me but i've worked in businesses and I wouldn't say the same sort of process exists, but there's the same effort to try and get people involved. Mm. And there's numerous documents and people just can't be asked to find them and read them and, and comment. So what has to happen in order to kind of like foster that spirit of curiosity within the business to, to take part? But you, you said it, people have to find it. Yeah. That's the problem. You should not be able to, you should not need to find it. Yeah. It should come to you. So what I realize is, is what I've, what I've taken a little bit from Google's, uh, you know, they do, I think, is it 20%, 20% on new projects and creativity, mm -hmm. 80% is your day to day kind of job and mm -hmm. so on. And 20% is go crazy, right? So, so that 20% go crazy. I was like, okay, how can we do that? Is it a Friday afternoon sessions where the one pages actually come on Slack automatically on a, on a workspace on auto, uh, automated messages? And they're like, Hey, you have six, six new ideas from this week. To, to, to rank mm. and you're like well it's friday afternoon i was almost going i finished my emails you know i was going to do my report but it's interesting to read ideas especially they come to you you don't have to go find them so creating these these routines these little um frequency i call them like weekly frequencies monthly frequencies quarterly mm. frequencies and how how to, to to get these in front of your eyes so that you can read them um, there is many systems that, you know, there is, there is a systems where you can automate a bot that uh, would chat to you on Slack, right? And they'll be like, Hey, here's an idea. Can you rank this? And you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't have to go for it. A Slack bot is chatting to me about amazing creative ideas from all my team members, from my peers, from my managers, from different people. Mm. I do want to read it. And also the problem about those documents that you said to find them on the drive, plus they're very boring. Yeah. They're boring. They're just 10 pages of text, right? Uh, and they're boring. So my documentation has to be what I call, if, if I may on this podcast, sexy documentation. Well, you, you can I, use the word sexy as much <laughs> as you like, Tim. <laughs> I, try to, I try to aim for sexy documentation. And people are like, what does that mean? Mm. Like, well, sexy documentation starts with a flowchart, a little video of you explaining what is that doc. 
and that one pager being actually a one pager and not 10 pages, but being easily digestible. Uh, we have amazing tools now, like Notion, um, which is an amazing workspace tool, uh, much better than the drive. We have Coda, same kind of thing. Uh, X, X people at Google that did it, you know, uh, you can have flow charts, you can have interactive dynamic content inside it. You can have so many things that makes a one pager very robust and makes it look very sexy, very digestible. Uh, the information is not just scattered in a lot of text around it. It's condensed in a beautiful way. And you can read 10 of these in about uh, 30 minutes nicely, you know, and you can take your quick notes. You can even ask team members questions on Slack. You're starting to have conversation with them. You understand the idea and you're like, wow, that's a great idea. I'm a customer support agent and I've been fixing that bloody bug <laughs> 50 times a day, right? And nobody's doing anything about it. Somebody has a solution for it. There's an idea that is an amazing solution for that. And I, as a customer support agent, I know that's going to help our clients because I'm very close to it. I'm, I'm, I'm on the trenches, right? I know it. So I score that very high. And suddenly I see that that idea gets scored the highest and we implement that. And the next quarter, we don't have that bug anymore. We don't have that problem anymore. What happens is we celebrate. We say, wow, guys, we finally fixed that. And everybody says, yeah, that was the idea of XYZ person. And we celebrate that person. That person feels much more involved now as well, right? And other people see that they're like, wow, okay, we listen to everybody's idea in this company. So suddenly you're fostering this culture of yeah. people wants to get involved. People wants to suddenly build better systems for you to be able to achieve these things. And what that happens is better culture, uh, better workspace, um, better understanding of my day-to-day -day job, plus where I can contribute to. Uh, CEOs start getting happier because they start seeing the contribution of uh, different team members, not on just day-to-day, -day, but suddenly on, on revenue-generating projects and so on. And Andy, when I say this, uh, I realize that I haven't said it, but of course some of the ideas goes bad. Yeah, of course. We, we fail. <laughs> Failure is great. Why? Because we've documented it. We implemented it and we're going to learn from it we're going to analyze it and we're going to do a document after it which is our analysis and learnings and then our next ideas are going to be a little bit better and from these failures we also learn so many things that our company has been good at or bad at and so on and when that happens that learning happens that listening to everybody happens you're fostering that culture and as you do it's suddenly organically start building on top of those those blocks that you you've put on the on the on the groundwork basically and when you say all those great benefits you yeah. know why why do we think founders ceos businesses are apparently so scared of transparency which was the thing you said right at the beginning of yeah. of, of the key what's stopping when you've got all of those lovely benefits to get hold of what do you think is stopping the freedom of transparency? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to say this for everybody because I might be very mean about it, but I think ego is mm. <laughs> ego, ego is a big one, I'll be honest. And the book Ego is the Enemy is exactly talking about that, right? Is founders, uh, it's their baby, right, most of the time. And they're like, oh, it's my baby. I brought it until here. It's my baby. I know it the most. Well, that's not good that you know it the most because you've hired people to look at an area and they're going to become an expert. Mm. You have to be, as a founder now, a generalist. Yeah. And you have to be a servant leader where you serve the people that needs your help and not vice versa. They don't serve you, 
right? So when you can switch that around, servant leadership style, then that works. That's number one, in my opinion, the ego and, and, and being a servant to your team and, and delegating, you know, most founders does, doesn't want to leave the rain sometimes. Um, but you have to, right? After 75 people, 100 people, you have to. At 300 people, if you're micromanaging, uh, that's where you burn out, you have stress, you go to the hospital, you have a heart attack. Doesn't work, Tim, does no, it? No, but, but it happens. Yeah, <laughs> cool, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've seen teams of 500 people and the CEO wants to know everything. So yeah. you cannot know everything anymore. It's great. It's actually success. You've built a team of 500. Don't know everything. Go spend time with your family this weekend and don't be on Slack. Yeah. Ask everybody questions. <laughs> Disconnect, you know. So it's difficult to do that. I think that's the, that's the major problem, in my opinion. And, and, and the other problem, to be honest, Andy, it's, it's really... We do want this to happen, but we don't take the time to build these systems, mm. right? We, we think it's going to happen automatically. And, and this is why actually my job works really well because I'm a growth consultant <laughs> and you hire me for this, right? And then I'm able to show you the work that I do. I, most of the time, I don't do a lot of work for you. I do a lot of work with you. With you, yeah, right? yeah. I'm able to show you these things and you realize them and you're like, oh, oh, okay. How can we fix that? Well, there's a few ways to do that these are the ways can 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 we implement that mm. of course we can but i'm going to involve these people in your company oh yeah but they're busy no they're not busy if you involve them now they're going to have a better time in six months a year two years they're still going to be here they're going to love your mission and they're going to work for your mission do you want to invest that time now or in two months do you have one do you want to have problems when you start showing that then things get a little bit better. I've had the chance, luck, I mean, I say luckily because a pandemic is not a very lucky thing, but when COVID came, I had a bunch of travel tech clients and obviously things went a bit south, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, and um, I had the time to, to say post to the company. That's great, guys. I said, we have a time to think. We have a time to change systems. We have a time to change our processes, to optimize them, to analyze them. And and luckily we did that because these companies that I'm mentioning uh, came out to much stronger um, post-pandemic than pre-pandemic. And I think that's it, isn't it? I think we've had to get on with stuff and move stuff and be a bit braver in the last couple of years to sort of just try new things and, yeah. and, and move things forward. And that's I think that's really, really helped. I would be stupid to have you on this podcast and not ask for your advice You've mentioned a few tools today uh, as we go through, but if you were to pick, I don't know, the top three collaboration tools that you work with today that perhaps not everybody knows about that they should have a look at, could you recommend yeah. three of those or something? Yeah, yeah, even more. I'm just looking at my stream deck right now because I have this little stream deck with buttons that are shortcut <laughs> to, to open certain uh, applications, right? Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and I see three six, nine, about 10, very important, but I'll go three to four if that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so first of all, Zoom is great, but uh, there is definitely Zoom fatigue. Yeah. Um, we definitely don't like to be on Zoom. Um, my team, we're not many people at the moment. We're only seven people, uh, but we're working on around. Okay. Around. Um, and it's little bubbles that are floating on my screen. I'm able to do my work still, and I see my my colleagues, my peers, uh, my managers, or you know, under my unders, uh, as I'm the co-founder, in little bubbles. We work together. Uh, we sometimes uh, I'll put the Spotify playlist. Sometimes somebody will put it. You know, we create this little virtual office space. Nice. And it's not on Zoom that it doesn't take my whole screen or big 
chunk of my screen. Um, we have games there. Sometimes we take a break. We play games. There's like a snake cut type of game and mm-hmm. so on. That really creates a better better culture. I'm not saying that you can do that with 70 people, 100 people. Yeah. But little little teams can do it. The product team can do it. You know, the marketing can, team can do it and so on. If you're doing some synchronous work or you want to be online with people, right? It works really well. Around. Nice. It helps that connection between people. Yes, right? that yeah. connection, creating that culture mm. and so on. And, you know, you can send a little message. You can all raise your hand. And if your manager is there, you're a team, they can say, hey, yeah, what's up? And you can ask a question. Other people can hear or not if you want to and so on. You can really create a great space there. So nice. so Zoom is great for one-on-one meetings, um, but around is really nice uh, to collaborate and work with. Um, cool. That's number one. Um the most important one, in my opinion, at the moment, um, since the pandemic, is because I've invested all my time into it as well, possibly, so I'm a bit biased, is <laughs> Notion. Notion. Uh, Notion is an amazing tool because it's a mix of Drive, uh, Doc, uh, Excel sheets, um, and a bunch of other things, to be honest. Um, I build Notions for my clients. I build it for my own teams. I build it for myself. I build it for my even for my baby, my baby has a Notion space so that I can track everything and so on. And so basically Notion can be a space where it's the first thing you open in the morning or when you're going to work, you have all the documentation there, you know what uh, has been the last edit in which document, which last idea was scored or not scored. And so you can create many, 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 many systems inside Notion. And it's 100x possibly better than uh, the Google Drive because, okay. as you mentioned, Google Drive documents lost. Yeah, yeah. Not on Notion. You can create a little map. You can create beautiful sp- uh, spaces. Brilliant. That's that. I'll say Slack, but um, I think that we all know Slack. And, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> we put Slack in the center. But when I say that, it's very important because Slack has amazing integrations. If you look at the bots and the integrations of Slack, you can really create an amazing space on Slack so that that's your center. Right, and everything happens. And Notion can speak to Slack. You can start an around meeting from Slack. I'm chatting to Andy, and I go forward slash around. Boom, we're on around, and we're jamming together, and we're looking at the latest design of the product. Blah 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 together in no nice. time. That's mm-hmm. awesome. But I'm gonna mention Loom. If we're not on into Loom yet, it's a video recording tool, um, hybrid work, remote work, um, asynchronous communication can be tough, and it is tough especially if you're going to write me what you have in mind in like, uh, you know, uh, 2,000 words. You're writing me an essay on Slack. I'm not going to read that or I'm going to read and I'm going to skim through and and it's going to be boring. Why don't you create me a little uh, two-minute Loom video, right? A little two-minute Loom video showing me what's the problem area, what are you feeling, or even just a Loom video, not just your screen, but yourself. I do to to my team in the mornings. I do a little Loom video. Hey, guys, how's everybody today and so on. They respond with a little loom and like, hey, I'm in India right now. Hey, I'm in London. Hey, I'm in Finland. Look, I'm at the park working or I'm at the beach. You're like, wow, right? So we created that uh, communication. The asynchronous communication becomes a little bit more synchronous because you see the person, but you can respond at your own time when you wake up because we do have, I think, four time zones or so in seven people. So, you know, so we, we create these. And, and one feature that I want to remind everybody on Slack, if I may, Andy, is um, schedule your messages. Don't send a message at 3 a.m. in the morning to one of your team members somewhere else, right? So because it is stressful, you know. Uh, notification can go on or in the morning. You see that before your work time. So try to understand when does people work in your team. Have it on Slack. Have it 
clearly and you can schedule messages so that's i did that mistake i was sending messages whatever time and then i realized that was very stressful especially if it comes from your yeah founder from your from your it's boss true. they say i don't like to say boss but you get a bit freaked out you're like oh shit i need to get to this now right but you don't have to and that's not what i expect from you so i've learned to schedule my messages and i schedule it for the time of the person according to their time zone and and you're creating already a better um communication a better culture by doing that that's so, a great tip. So, so these tools are little great tools but they have amazing features that we underutilize them so so look at these uh features what works for you and utilize them accordingly and create a document for it and tell to your team hey use this feature like this because it helps uh, one another brilliant brilliant that's some great tools there that will really help for that fostering that inclusion collaboration stuff final thing before i let you go mate at the End of this podcast, we have a little section called Sticky Notes, where I'm going to ask you for a summary, I guess, of the three best bits of advice you could give to the people listening to foster this spirit of inclusion and collaboration going forward. So what would your three little sticky notes be? Document everything, but document them beautifully. Make sure that everybody likes your documents. (laughs) Yes. Sexy documents, please. Yeah, sexy documents. Let's let's put it on that. Sticky notes, <laughs> sexy documents. I think that I should put that sticky note myself. I think so. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I think uh, I think the second sticky note I'm going to do get to know each other's working style, mm. right? And according to that, you can really build better relationship with your peers and and your managers and so on. So get to know each other. Sounds silly. But, you know, get to know each other. How do you work? What time do you work? How do you like your messages? How do you like your communication? Get to know the people and you'll have a better workspace. Mm. That should be my second sticky note. Um, my third sticky note is, is build systems and build them now, right? We always leave system building until 75 to 100 employees and early founders at five members or 10 members. They're like, oh, I'll build these later. Uh, and then we don't get the time later. We don't pause later because the company is growing so fast that we don't take it. So build systems, right? Um, it's systems that makes you grow. Uh, people work on systems. They work better if there are systems. Um, and they can find little errors in the system and they can optimize your systems if you build them. If you don't, you just do day to day and you're not uh, preparing yourself for scalability. Fantastic. Three brilliant little sticky notes there to help people foster a better spirit of inclusion and collaboration and grow those businesses. Brilliant. Tim, thanks so much for your time. Uh, lovely to speak to you today. The power of Zooms connected Northampton and Barcelona beautifully. Thank you very much, my friend. An absolute pleasure, Andy. Thank you so much. Okay, buddy. Well, everybody, that was Tim Kakir. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about him and some of the things that we've talked about today, including those fabulous tools, please check out the show notes. So, that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, please like, comment, and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham, and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.